Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Tea with Crema. My name is Chris. I'll be one of your hosts today, and I'm joined from across the Pacific by my best friend Emma. What up from across the Pacific? Today we will be unlocking some of our childhood memories and taking a trip down memory lane by reviewing some of our book recommendations, book experiences, literacy journeys as children. You know, at this point, I don't want to say I've given up on book club, but it's not working out. And so instead, we'll just talk about books. It is what it is. It's fine. Maybe this will inspire people. (laughs) I think we need less heavy books. I think that's the problem. Okay, first of all, Felix Ever After was a super light book. Yes, it was light and it was fun and it was easy breezy. But this one that you just chose right now, that one was heavy. It is heavy. Like I'm still make I'm still making my way through it because it's just The Poet X was also easy. Didn't do that one. Uh, you know what? We just need to be better about it. It can be our 2023 New Year's resolution. Clearly, you got to put some books on the vision board cuz it's we struggling. So, before we jump into our trip down memory lane, we got to do our tea check. So, Emma, what tea did you bring today? I brought a repeat. Sorry, y'all. Um, it's a peach and passion fruit tea from Ahmad Tea. It's delicious. It gets the job done. It's also in a really big box, so I'm just trying to make my way through it. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm drinking today. What are you drinking today, Chris? Wow, what a tea, Peter. Tea, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, today's tea is not very good. Oh. But it'd be like that sometimes when you try new things. <laughs> it is called Arabesque, and it is from August Uncommon Teas, which I'm kind of surprised in a bad way because the last one that I had was actually pretty good. And I've only seen really good reviews about this tea, but Arabesque just didn't, it didn't work. I don't know. It's a green tea base, so it has Sencha green tea, Yunnan green tea. Turkish orange, Madagascar, vanilla, and Brazilian jatoba wood with some lemongrass. And I, I don't know. It's almost like metallic. Oh, it just sounds like a case of too many again. I think it's the two green teas. But metallic. Like when you oversteep green tea. Yeah, and it gets that, like, it hits your back of your throat. Yeah, I think that's what it was. But I didn't, the weird part is that I didn't oversteep it. So I don't know why it's not good. It just isn't. But I tried. So, Arabesque, not for me. Wouldn't recommend it. One out of five stars. I'm actually having a hard time. I've been drinking it all day, slowly, because it's not good. But I don't like wasting tea. But anyways, back to the topic at hand. Looking at our books. This is one of my episodes that I was really, really passionate about. I know I have really, really fond memories around reading as a child. And I feel like you do when you talk about it. I feel like you have really fond memories. Yep. And then they get a little a little gray. <laughs> and then they get better. And then college. And then we're adults now. And so I just wanted to go back to those fun, fond memories when things were... The grass was greener. Everything was more bright. It's just more fun. Shout out to Gladys Knight and the Pips, you know. <laughs> I think it was also because, you know, we don't have to pay bills. Man, books are expensive. I don't know how my parents, like, afforded my book habit, but we out here. (laughs) So our first open up is we know that we both loved reading. We've talked about it a lot. But who or what was the thing or the person that really inspired you or got you going? Like, how 
Because you don't just pick up books and just go for it. So what got you going? So I remember being in kindergarten and like kids were learning how to read, but I was already like reading. So teachers always had to like kind of figure out like, okay, what can we give her so she's not bored? Um, And I remember always going to the bookstore and being able to pick a book. And my aunt, my auntie Naomi, rest in peace. She is the one who like really fostered that love, I think, because she would go, she was an avid reader too. And, but she was like an avid reader of the books that you found in People Magazine so like if people magazine reviewed it she wanted it so she could read it (laughs) so she was like really big in like to staying like on top of pop culture also she was a hairstylist so i think that was one of the things that was just like that was the world she was in so like new music new um books things like that she was always at barnes and noble like at least every if if not every week like every other week and if I was like fortunate enough to be near the near the hair salon at the same time, then she would also pick me books. Like she took my sister shopping for clothes, but she took me shopping for books. <laughs> we all have our own love languages. <laughs> you know? And I think that that's like, and my sister was like definitely like her favorite, like because she it was my mom's oldest sister. My sister's also the oldest, and I think they connected on that level. My aunt saw like how not differently they treated my sister and I, but that they would, you know, like always expect my sister to be a good role model and things like that, which is what my grandparents had put on her. So I think that's why they connected. Anyway, now I'm getting into an Auntie Naomi episode. This is not it. But this is an episode to those who have instilled a reading in us. So yeah, shout out to my Auntie Naomi um, for taking me book shopping instead of clothes shopping. (laughs) (laughs) Who was that person or what was the like turning point for you i think i was also reading before i got to school i don't remember specifically but i i feel very confident that i was reading before i got there and so yeah just really running with it and going for it i think the person that i remember the most in terms of encouraging me to read is the librarian from my elementary school miss sutton and crazy part is that she was my Because my dad went to the same school that we went to Uh growing up, and she was his librarian as well. And so, like, she knew him immediately because that was one of her students. And then to get to know us and see us growing up was also really cool. Second gen. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. She definitely encouraged me to really continue and take up reading. And I just remember her all the time because I was... In the library, almost as much as I was in class, just because they were just like, go get a book. Just go get a book to read. You've already finished everything. Go get a book. And I remember we had a book store, a book, a book sale of some sort. And it was so cool because even the newspaper came and they were interviewing people. And I was quoted in the article and my mom saved the article, so I have it. It's laminated. And it's the first time your boy was ever in the media. Yes, Anthony Smith, right. <laughs> so just know we was out here talking about reading and our love of reading. So, of course, we had to have this episode. So I would say she was the one that, like, really took that little spark and just, like, whoosh. I love that. Did you guys, when you were in elementary school, did you guys have library monitors? Yeah, I remember checking in books as... A student in elementary school. Like, you would be, like... I literally, like, lived in the library. I checked in the books. The kids came to me to turn in the books. (laughs) I sat at the desk and scanned them in. 
oh, you were that kid. No, I'm just kidding. No, that makes that. But yeah, like in elementary school, I think I was starting fourth grade. Um, and it was just kind of like a each class would get a turn to like do it. And so for that week, you would send kids out. So they would give you the homework and you would stay there, help out with like the reading time and all that stuff. And I just remember always, always, always like signing up to be a library monitor. And the teachers were also like, yes, please get out of the class because you are being a nuisance. (laughs) And I think that's the problem when you're a GT and like, it's hard. And I understand how hard it is as a teacher, like, and especially back in those days, right? It was like, it's either we give them more work, we send them out, or like, they're going to be, they're just going to- Possibly a terror. Yeah, exactly. You know? And so I feel bad that the teachers had to do that, but it was my favorite time because then we could also- if you were a library monitor, then you were also a lunch monitor. So then you got to go work in the cafeteria. So then my favorite days to work was beef and bean burrito day. <laughs> because then you would get two beef and bean burritos, not just one. And that was the highlight. Oh, and then if I worked on spaghetti day, oh, it was done. I cannot. I worked at the cafeteria based on what was being served that day shout out to all of the librarians in our lives who encouraged us because i you know what after you said that story about miss sutton it reminded me of being in middle school and the librarians would have me read the books and review it and come back to them and let them know like if it was okay for them to put it out because we were at a baptist school so there were sometimes that there were topics that i was like so this book has a teenage pregnancy in it and they're like okay we can't push that out and they're like i was like so this one has <laughs> <laughs> you were that kid out here snitching on the books <laughs> I was, which i think that like they didn't have time to read all of them right because kids were like recommending them and and so they were like okay let's just buy it and then we'll like go along with it and i was like yeah y'all shouldn't be like wasting the school's money on this but (laughs) you know it's fine they have the books might as well all right oh man so throughout your life would you describe yourself as an avid reader someone who just reads all the time big reads yeah i think that i always had a book um i always had a book in my hand probably until i reached college um, and then it was just like, there was just a lot going on that I had to, I couldn't read as avidly as I wanted to. And then even probably like when I started working too, um, I wouldn't say that I became more of an avid reader until I moved to Japan because, you know, I, I commute all day. So I have to do something while I'm on my commute. It's about a 45 minute commute. Um, so I've read more books in these past like year and a half than I've read in so long. And it just like reminded me like how much I love reading because I'm like reading books that are like, you know, some YA novels. I'm like reading what the kids are into. I'm reading like things that I'm interested in. I'm reading like really scary books that I just like have to then find books that are not scary <laughs> afterward. But I think it's definitely rekindled a love for me um, now as an adult reader. But yeah, what would you say? Would you say that like, how did your reading journey flow from the time you were a kid until now? I've had a love-hate relationship with reading through time. So elementary school, I loved it. I just would stay in all weekend sometimes <laughs> if I had a good enough book and just read a book. And that's that's what I would do. My siblings were outside playing with friends and I was just like, no, I'm good. I'll read a book. <laughs> Not even watching TV. I'm just going to read a book. And then I think middle school is where it got a little tricky because then I wasn't reading for enjoyment as much. I was reading a lot more for, you know, school assignments and stuff. And I think what really killed the joy for me was reading a book, writing down my interpretation of said book, 
and then writing a paper on it and then having the person grading the paper say that my opinion was wrong. Like, I just, I didn't, that did not go over well for me. I was just like, how are you going to tell me? And I've always had that issue, even in high school and college, of if I read this book and this is what I took away from the book, how are you going to tell me that I'm wrong? Mm. I don't, I don't understand. Like, you don't, we've not lived the same life experiences. I get that there might be some, like, academic point that you're trying to make. But at the end of the day, after the book has been published and it's essentially left the author's brain, like, it's really up to the audience to interpret it and take it and give it a life of its own. And so I, I, that's where I started to really, really struggle with, oh, people, like, are essentially reading for, like, the right answer. Yeah. And then when I stopped doing that after grad school, I've started to get back into it slowly because now it's, again, I'm not reading for the right answer. I'm just reading for enjoyment. Yeah, which I feel like that's what middle school and high school does to you. I wonder, you know, we haven't been in middle school or high school in a very long time. (laughs) I mean, I'm still kind of adjacent to it, but I do remember like it was so prescribed right? You're reading for these things. You're reading for these themes. You're reading for these like hidden messages that I was like, I understand that like a analytical and critical thinking level that, okay, yeah, I should have these skills. But also, again, like, why is my analysis different from your, like, why does that, why is that counted against me when I have this analysis of the book versus your analysis? Of- mm-hmm. Because it's one thing to say, like, is this alliteration versus why would they do alliteration? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like that was always my biggest thing. I was a very good, like formulaic writer. I was a pretty strong writer. I could play the game. I guess that's what I'm trying to get at. But I understand your point of like, like, why does that? That's sad. I find that really sad that they would dock you points on like having a different point of view than them. Yeah. Middle school wasn't, wasn't great. All the time. It It wasn't a time to be alive, is what I mean. Mm -mm. Yeah, so it'd be like that. But it's fine. I'm getting better now. Do you have a favorite, or did you have a favorite genre when you were growing up? Um, I really liked... No, I like. I read everything. I was going to say, I really liked, and I was like, no. Um, no. (laughs) I think I just read everything, and I was always really into seeing what other people were reading, too. Like, I don't know if you remember the Aragon. Is it Aragon or Aragon? Yeah, the dragon one. one. You opened it, and then there was the map. Like, if you you took off the back cover. Oh, I didn't know it did that. Like, if you took off the back cover, it turned into the map of Aragon. Um, but I just remember those being, like, really interesting books but i remember my mom not buying them for me until it came out on soft cover because those hardcover books were so expensive and i like didn't realize how expensive they were um you know like a lot of things i didn't realize how expensive they were but yeah i think i was very into fantasy though like witches vampires werewolves count me in yeah what about you i would agree the less based in reality it was the more i enjoyed it because it's just i don't that was part of the purpose of reading was just to be somewhere else for a little bit, experience a little journey, do something a little different. And so, yeah, the the less grounded in reality it was, the more I was into it. So fantasy, for sure. I remember reading all of those books. Aragon's the one with the blue dragon, and then there's the red dragon, and then there's the golden dragon on the covers. I just remember right? that it was not made, it didn't adapt well into film. I just remember that. I think they tried the first book, and then it just was not good. Oh yeah, that book, that movie was terrible. Yeah. Exactly. But like, you know how you were like reading all those fantasy novels? Like, I remember reading those fantasy novels as well. Did you ever wish that you had seen more diversity in the characters? Or do you think that that was something you actively thought about? 
as a kid reading it? I think it wasn't necessarily something that like I actively thought about, but I do know that the great thing about my like my default mentality is again like people that are similar to me. Mm. So the great thing about like again fantasy novels is that oftentimes they didn't really they didn't spend too much time describing the main characters like physical appearances. Mm. Or if they did, I just always forgot and then kind of like put myself as the main character anyway. Sounds about, and then, sounds about right. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's how I've always read books is like, if I was the main character, how would I be feeling and experiencing these mm-hmm. things? So I guess, I don't know, like rep- representation is great in the sense of, I think the experiences, the diversity of experiences would have been really great. But in terms of, like, characters that look like me, honestly, I just ignored physical descriptions. <laughs> and um, I made the characters look like how I wanted them to look like anyway. I honestly didn't... I remember being a kid and not really seeing a problem with not seeing myself in the books. You know, like, if they were like, she had big hair and buck teeth. I was like, that's me, girl. Hermione Granger. You know, and then they were like, Cho Chang. I was like, yes, Asian. Um, But I don't remember ever having a point where I was like, oh man, like I really needed this like character. But now as an adult reading books that are like based in having, you know, like BIPOC folks represented, I'm like, dang, that would have been a huge game changer, I think, as a child. So like, as I was actively taking in books, I think it would have definitely changed the way that I saw, you know, certain things and like saw represented stories. I get like the content of the story, but that's the... That's the great part about, again, literature versus like a film or a TV adaptation. Once you see the character in a movie or a film, that actor or however they've chosen to represent that character is always, for me anyway, it's always kind of like burned into my mind. And so now I see that person if I'm reading the book. Mm -hmm. But I think with literature, and again, especially reading like fantasy novels where it's not really based in anything, it was really easy for me to just put myself or people that I wanted into that. And so I guess it would have been nice to read. I guess it would have been nice to read things that were more reflective of like my culture and experiences. But like, I don't know, again, books for me were it's easy to escape into a book Mm -hmm. and really just kind of fill in because an author can't describe everything because then the book would be terrible. (laughs) And so it's very, that's the nice thing about books is that you can kind of fill the void with things from your life that make you feel more comfortable and immersed in the story. I guess I was just getting at that because I always pictured main characters as white. I never saw, because like, and I didn't think that there was anything wrong with that because that's the way it was reflected in films. That's the way it was reflected in books. And so in my head, they were always like Eurocentric. And I didn't, I guess that's what I'm getting at is that like, I I didn't see a problem Mm -hmm. with it until I started reading like books that were actually written by Mm-hmm. BIPOC people for BIPOC people and then I was like oh yeah there was definitely some internalized things going on <laughs> but I was like but yeah I was just like an active reader and just like you know taking it in as it was I don't know if that did a number on my psyche it might have um but I definitely only ever like saw you know white characters in my head so interesting okay I see that I don't really know what drives that mind's eye kind of thing because again you heard me, I put myself in the story. <laughs> so I always, <laughs> I saw myself in the story. I was Harry Potter. <laughs> I was him until they made the movies. And then I was like, oh, okay. Okay, I get it. Like, 
fine. Y'all clarify just to make sure. I think the only thing that I, in hindsight, would have been nice is having non-heteronormative stories. That was always, I wouldn't say always something, but it was like a little like thing in the back of your mind. You're just like, ah, okay. I don't know how to explain it, but it was always there. It was a little thing. And it was always right like, there in the back. so hush hush, yeah, having like queer books too. I was like, that's the queer book, you know? Or even if there was like, if it did exist and you had like a queer like couple or something, that became like their only personality. Is that like, this is so and so. Oh, I didn't even know there were gay characters in books until high school. Yeah. So, I mean, I can't even be like, I didn't even know those existed until high school. And then I was like, oh, I see. And so, yeah. Again, that was the thing about books. Because technically, until it was written, it wasn't written. And you could do whatever you wanted. Mm -hmm. So, that was the nice part about books. But I love that. Now I want to get into some specifics, though. I enjoy talking about general literacy experiences. But now it's time to really start recalling some books. That took you through those emotions. Got to you. They touched the deep parts of your soul. Okay? okay? That's where we're at now. So are you ready? I don't think so. This first question, can I ask it to you? Because I don't I don't think I have one that I can like remember that I was like, ah. So what is the first book that made you laugh out loud? So the book that got me laughing out, like literally loud, I was crying reading this book. It was the weirdest thing, was Sideways Stories from Wayside School. Well, I remember the book was about kids at a school and each floor of the school had, it was just, it was wild and the characters did crazy things. And when I, t- I laughed, I remember literally laughing <laughs> at this book and I'm afraid it's one of those things that I'm afraid to read it again because I would hate to read it again and then be like, wow, I was so childish. And then it'd be like, well, yep, that would, that's the point. So that was my first book that, like, truly laughed out loud. Giggle fit. It was a whole experience. (laughs) That's so funny. The Captain Underpants books. (laughs) I remember my mom hated, hated buying those books for me because they were so dumb. It was literally potty humor. But I remember, like, reading it and I was like, this is so funny. Ah, poop. (laughs) Ah, he said toilet. (laughs) (laughs) I can't. Nope. I was like, with your mom on this, I couldn't yeah. stand the Captain Underpants books. She was like, what is this book? And I was like, mom, please. And she, I remember she was like flipping through the first couple pages. She's like, this is a comic book. This is not even a book. She's like, no, I'm not spending mm. $15 on this. And I was like, ah. On this graphic novel. <sighs> yeah, I think those were like one of the, I can remember like actively ha-haing though at those books. But I don't remember like reading a book and like dying of laughter. Oh, man. That's okay. We'll go back into your childhood and kind of insert that book in there and see what happens. Just like- <laughs> Time travel. That'll be my first mission. Yes, please. <laughs> okay, next one. What is the first book that made you cry? Number of the Stars. Oh, Lois Lowry, right? Mm-hmm. And I didn't even get to cry in private. <laughs> it was a read aloud in third grade, and we all cried. Collective. The teacher cried. Oh, my gosh. All of us in the class cried. So yes. So not only was that the first time I cried at a book, that was the first time I cried at a book collectively with (laughs) other human beings. We were all sobbing. So that would be the first one. I have the next one. I'm gonna let you answer, though, just in case it's the same one. Oh, uh, probably not. But I think I always talk about this book. And I recently tried to reread it. And I was like, I don't know if I can get through this book. Maybe because it was an ebook. The Book Thief is the one that I remember 
the first book making me sob, like sob my eyes out. And I, you know, I'm sensing a Holocaust theme. Is your next one Boy with the Striped Pajamas? No, I didn't read that uh, book. It was Bridge to Terabithia. Yes. Maybe that was actually the first book that made me cry. Because it just- Because that ending was a setup. It just like, and the thing is, is that it just happened so quickly. They were happy, 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 happy. And then all of a sudden, old girl decided she wanted to go across the bridge by herself. Swept up. And that was it. Dead. Sorry, spoiler alert. It's also been out for 30 years, so y'all can- <laughs> and There's a movie. Honestly, if you didn't know what the ending was, I don't know. I don't oh, know where you man. been. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah. I remember just like, I actually just recommended it to a student. I'm like, what was your favorite book growing up? And I was like, Book Thief. And I was like, I need to stop saying that. I don't know why it's my knee jerk, like the one that I recommend every time. People are going to start thinking you're a little, hmm. Is she okay? Is she sad? Is she okay? Because yeah, it's from the it's from the point of view of death. I don't know. I was going through them some things. What is a book that has impacted you? That is my reworded version oh. of Emma's original question. What's a book that has effed you up? <laughs> just left you different. You just read that book and you were different afterwards and not in a good not way. Not in a good way. Just... Mine was A Child Called It. And it was, a high, it was a high school book. And I don't even want to talk about what it was about. But it was it was one of those things that like all the once one kid i think like found it and read it and then recommended it to everyone everyone read it and then we were all messed up collectively traumatized i don't know what it is with me and books and like it always being a collective experience but um <laughs> maybe that's why i really want this book club to work i just uh have fond memories about reading books and being collectively connected to people. So yeah, that was it. Uh, I'm not going to talk about what it was about. I wouldn't recommend it. Don't do it to yourself. It messed me all the way up. Mm-mm. Don't do or it. your children. Don't let them do it. What about you? Mine that I can like actively remember being messed up in that way after was Go Ask Alice, which I hadn't thought about until I had saw it on an article that was like... 30 millennial books that'll give you nostalgia. And I was like, that wasn't nostalgia. That was trauma. That was clearly packed away. <laughs> and all of a sudden I saw it and I was like, oop, triggered. That and the Ellen Hopkins books, which if y'all know what those, that was Crank and Glass. Like they were written about teenage drug addiction. And I think that they were definitely written as cautionary tales, but I remember eating those books up and I was like, oh, she did what for the drugs? Like, no. <laughs> and... I remember that one actually, like, those two books actually, like, going under review at my middle school because it was such, like, dark themes. Um, which again, I think that they were very valid topics. I would have to read them again to see if they were, like, actually good. <laughs> I just remember being deeply, like, traumatized after reading them. She had a lot now that, cause I don't know what it was. When you were originally mentioning it, I had no idea what you were talking about. But then all of a sudden, like, when you said it just now, the covers just, like, popped into my mind do you remember those and they were thick i never read them they were thick and they were little i avoided books that scared me and the covers of those books scared me so i didn't read them but i remember yeah. them now they were very thick they were at least like i want to say they were a good like four or five hundred pages only mm -hmm. because each page was just like a poem mm -hmm. and they were tiny like it was a tiny sized book but very mm -hmm. thick. Yeah. i also don't do poetry well so that also might have been why I didn't read them. There's some genres that we just don't read well, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Just be one of them. Okay, so moving on. We've done the books that made us laugh, the books that made us cry, the books that effed us up. Now, let's do some recommendations, as we always do. Uh, starting from 
I guess early childhood. So kinder to fourth grade. Do you have any books for that? I mean, for me at that age, I was like tearing through the Magic Treehouse books. Yes. I still have my original box set. Like it's literally a treehouse box set. And then I still, my mom still buys me some of the copies now because I think she's still writing them and still actively releasing them. So I would recommend them. And I think I really got into it because the first one's about dinosaurs and I loved dinosaurs. (laughs) But I would also recommend Fox and Socks. It's a tongue twister book by Dr. Seuss. I know Dr. Seuss is uh, a little problematic now, but. Oh man. I just really like the book. Okay, guys. I just really like the book. In fact, I. I'm willing to give anyone $10 if they can go on Instagram Live, invite me there, and they can read the book all the way through with no issues. $10, I'm just saying. $10. $10. If you can go on Instagram Live and read the whole book start to finish and not get tongue-tied once. I might have to go on that Instagram Live, try try my hand at that $10. Uh. Hmm. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And then cook-a-doodle-doo. A little cute little picture book really got me into cooking. It's a rooster and they cook strawberry or bake. I'm sorry, bake strawberry <laughs> cheesecake. <laughs> oh, is that the one that they have the, that's the one that they have the, the recipe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember you telling me mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Really got me into cooking. So those are my three recommendations for early childhood younger kiddos. The Tea with Carmel recently helped with Shemaine's library and after sending those books to her I was like oh my gosh I read every single Roald Dahl book so yeah I definitely recommend those I think my favorite my favorite books were books where they like connected to each other like it was either like sequels or the characters were grown up in the next book and were now having like their own kids and stuff like that so definitely I remember reading in like fourth grade the Charlie and the Chocolate, no, maybe I was younger than that, probably second grade. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and then Charlie and the Glass Elevator, I think. The Great Glass Elevator. Yeah, the Great Glass Elevator. But yeah, all of Roald Dahl's books, I think they were thin enough that you like got through them really quickly. James and the Giant Peach, classic. The Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, classic. I think it was called Twits. It was about the sisters. That was also one of them. But yeah, it was like this whole box set that we sent to Shemaine. And I was like, yes, all of these books. So highly recommend those. Moving off of the Roald Dahl books. Uh, yeah, Tale of Despero. I remember reading that because it was in the... Do you remember getting the Scholastic... The, book order? Yes, the book orders. And then you would like... It was like paper thin and you could like flip through it. Yes, I remember that. And always circling the books that I wanted. Babysitter's Club. I think I read that one in fourth grade. And I remember reading The Truth About Stacy. And that's when we find out that Stacy has diabetes and she's like keeping it a secret and she doesn't want anyone to know. And everyone's like, why is that new girl like so snobby? Like, why does she think she's all that? Blah, 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 blah. Like, and then she always has to leave class and da, 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 da. And so it's just girls starting rumors about her. And then she comes out and she's like, I'm diabetic. But I think it, to me, I was like, I wonder why she was keeping that a secret. Because my grandparents are diabetic. <laughs> That was the first time reading about a Japanese character with Claudia and her family. So that was like Asian representation right there. I think those are like some pretty good like early childhood. What about like middle YA? Some of my two favorite books, one of the only books that I have read multiple times and intend to read actually coming up pretty soon just because it's that time. But the two would be Bless Me Ultima by Rudolfo Anaya. I've read that book three times now at this point. Definitely would recommend it. And then House of the Scorpion by Nancy Farmer. I've also read that book, I think, three times at this point. 
And when I say I didn't even have to look up the authors, I just knew them. So I would definitely recommend those two books for the slightly older audience. But also, again, I'm about to read them as an adult, so still good. They good. Still good thing. Still good. Mine would be A Wrinkle in Time. All of those books, the Madeline Langle. Yeah, The Wrinkle in Time. I actually read. Like, I read them in order, and again, that's what I was talking about, that I love reading books, and then in the next one, like, the main characters were a little bit older, and they were married, and I was like, oh my god, they have a baby! So it's like, as it was getting older, um, so I loved those books. I also really liked The Uglies. Did you ever read those? The Uglies, Pretties, and Specials? Yes, yes. Do you know that they're gonna make it into- it's actually coming to screen? I don't want that. Yeah, that was, I don't want that. I remember reading that and really internalizing those books. So <laughs> y'all can y'all can just tell where I was at. I don't remember much about it. I just remember being like, "This is messed up." I think that was like my first introduction to dystopian novels, and like mm. you know, like oh, there's like this world out there that people are thinking of as futuristic. You know, that was around the time that we read like The Giver and The Giver wasn't that great. Do you have any for, like, the slightly older audience? Yes, all of mine are, like, for the slightly older audience. I think that's where I'm kind of at. Obviously, Harry Potter. I know J.K. Rowling is a turf. I know we shouldn't be supporting her work, but I really, like, truly think that it's just good writing. You know, it's, like, good escapist writing. And I stood in line for five, six, and seven. Like, stood in line, waited for those to come out, stood in line for all of the movies. Yeah, so I'm just, like, kind of one of those ride-or-die Harry Potter, which I know is so problematic. I'm still trying to come to terms with it. Definitely The Hunger Games. I loved all three books. Haven't read the prequel yet, but that is up there. Any of the Sarah Dessen books, those were like, that was my jam. If you currently read Colleen Hoover, then as an adult, you know all about Sarah Dessen. Sarah Dessen was like, she would write about those like little town, like romance, like new girl in town. Her dad died and she's a runner. And then she falls in love with this like, local kid and they like start running together <laughs> my favorite one from sarah Dessen is the truth about forever i also wish i had read these as a younger student but now as an adult read it and like really appreciated it and again following in that same vein of like fantasy is lobisona by romina garber that one was fantastic it's about a werewolf and all the in this culture all the males are werewolves and all the females are witches but she's a hybrid human um and her father's a werewolf so she actually becomes a werewolf and so it's like talks about you know xenophobia in more symbolic terms but talks about like just like the stigma around different cultures and like the way that they present males versus females uh, and gender roles and things like that so that was one of them just that whole series i'm hoping that they're coming out with number three very soon legendborn by tracy dion that one's coming out with book number two in october but yeah, Legendborn is more magic. There's witches. This girl is, she infiltrates, infiltrates, and this is the best word to say it, this like secret society of witches, but she's black and she's, they're like, why does she have powers? And they're like, well, you know, yes. So anyway, what about you? I'm sorry. I felt like I talked for like 30 hours. Yeah, that was really your category. You ran with that one. I've been reading the YA, y'all. <laughs> I think the only one that I would really recommend would be son of a witch which is the same person that did wicked right wicked mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it caught me by surprise because i feel like when i read it there was supposed to be a third one but i really don't know if there if he ever wrote a third one i don't really know 
So Wicked is a retelling of The Wizard of Oz. So it's based on the same land. Yeah, so it's in the same land, but it's basically telling you what The Wizard of Oz got incorrect. Oh, interesting. Well, this book follows her son. And I definitely got the parts where she was misunderstood. So I was like, oh, she wasn't actually all that bad. There was a lot of things going on. Oh, apparently, according to this, Gregory Maguire seems to do this a lot. So he also wrote A Lion Among Men. Is that from The Lion? And then Out of Oz, Confessions of an Ugly Stepsister. Oh, he wrote After Alice. I remember reading that book. Well, there you, there's his genre. Retellings of popular children's stories. Intriguing. Well, in true fashion, we still gotta end our episode same way we always end all the episodes. With a rabbit fire question! Ba, 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 ba. So, my question comes from one of our listeners. A shout out to Nahan, who was my college roommate. I guess I was the alphabet to her, Galinda, because she was always just very, like, bubbly. And everyone loved Nahan. And, yeah. <laughs> so, her question was... Do you think other life forms exist out there? I mean, statistically, yes. And does it scare you more if they exist or don't exist? Don't exist. Yes, that's what I said too. I do believe that there are other life forms out there. Like, there has to be. We can't be the only <laughs> things in the entire universe that exist. Like, that makes no sense to me at all. Just like, logically, scientifically. Mathematically. Yes, but it does scare me more if they don't exist because... That means that once this earth is used up, we are a literal singularity in the entire universe, which does, again, it's like, I don't want to talk about it, but no. Yeah. So there should be someone else out there somewhere. Somewhere. And that's all I got. I can't, we can't go no farther on that question. It will stress me out. <laughs> that might have to be a whole episode on its own. <laughs> Honestly, bring one of those smart people on, astrophysicists or something. One of them Neil deGrasse Tyson's. Looking at you, Dr. Tyson, if you'd like to come on our show. <laughs> Not for real. Like, you can find us on Instagram or Twitter. <laughs> oh, what a fun episode that would be. Oh, I'd learn so much. I love space. Oh, that'd be so fun. Okay. okay, anyways, my question is, what would you do if you had a clone? And this question came from Twitter. And the most popular answer is exactly what you would think it would be from Twitter. But we're not going to go with that answer. We're going to go with a different answer. So what would you do with a clone? <laughs> I'm only... Twitter is so out of pocket sometimes that I'm like, where is your parents? <laughs> Who is your grandma? And why haven't they hit you? Not that answer. Well, what would you do with the clone? If I had a clone, I would... Oh, this is terrible. But I would make it cook and clean. I would make it do all the to all the chores. I guess it could come and have fun too sometimes, but <laughs> what's the time? That's terrible, isn't it? Or if I was like, I woke up and I was like, oh man, I really don't want to go to work today. Okay, Clemma, it's your turn. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. She said, I'm using this clone. What would you do? Oh my God. Oh, wait, does my, my clone has feelings, right? I mean, like, I guess you could take turns. Like, okay, if you go to work this week, then I'm going to stay home and, like, make sure dinner is cooked. But if I go to work this week, then you have to stay home. <laughs> I'm mad that you just, like, Cinderella'd your clone. <laughs> wait, I'm so confused. What would you do? I feel bad now. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I thought you were going. Oh, no. I... <laughs> 
I would, you know, work with my clone to really just like explore the things that I want to do, but don't always feel safe to like, you know, look more into tiny homes and like farming and the farm to table kitchen market and like the meal prepping. Like, you know, I would use a clone to just do and help do all of the things that I want to do, but like there just isn't enough me to do everything. I mean, I would say that that's just like cinderella in a different way. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I mean, I guess like, because I, we would both be cleaning up and doing all that stuff. But um, or, yeah, you, you know sounded what? like you just wanted a chore monster. <laughs> I think, or I would send my clone to go and get us a sugar daddy. That's what I would do. You know, Like, I don't care what you got to do, but you better come back rich. Get that that's bread it. and leave, you know? Mm. Well, now I feel bad, but yes, my clone would be a chore monster, as well as a sugar daddy hunter. Sometimes both. <laughs> what else is she doing? You know, but I guess if she wanted to go and have her own pursuits. Now this reminds me of, what is that? Orphan Black? Have you ever seen that show? Basically, This is literally Cinderella. She wanted to go off and live her own life, and they wouldn't let her. If she wanted to, she could. You know, like, it's not like I'm keeping her here. It's not like I would lock her in the basement. It just would be nice if she stopped by every once in a while to come and help me cook and clean. <laughs> you almost as bad as them Twitter folk. What did they say? You, It was Twitter. You know what they said. Oh. <laughs> Anyways, where can people find the podcast? Please don't come at me, people. I really just like was not. Or you know what? Actually, come at me. Whatever. I said what I said. <laughs> You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at the Tea with Crema. You can also find us anywhere that you can stream your podcasts as well as YouTube. If you'd like to send us a tip or just send us a cup of coffee, you can also Venmo us at the Tea with Crema. We hope to see you next time. Bye.